Welcome. You're listening to audio from Haddington Elam Church. We hope that you're encouraged and challenged by this week's message. I shared last week one of my favorite passages out of Habakkuk that talked about his resolve to worship God no matter what came his way. And as we're looking today at Daniel chapter 3, I was struck by the contrast of what happens in this context of this story will happen again. Talk about history repeating itself. When the time comes, and it may be sooner than we think, will we be found standing? Will we have resolve? And so I'm going to read, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, the height of which was 60 cubits, or 30 meters high, and its width 6 cubits, or 3 meters wide. And he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent word to assemble the whole government, everyone and anyone, from the least to the greatest, everyone to come, the counselors and everyone, to come to the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. The summons that everyone must come to the dedication ceremony meant that he was using the worship of this image as a test of allegiance to him and his rule. It wasn't just a matter of him doing it for the fun of doing it. What are you doing on Saturday? Yeah, I'm thinking about erecting this really big statue and I'm gonna have everyone bow down to it. No, he wanted to test and see if everyone would pledge allegiance to him. And then everyone, they stood before the image that he had set up. All, everyone came to the dedication. Verse four, and then the herald loudly proclaimed, to you the command is given, O peoples, nations, and men of every language that at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trigon, the psaltery, bagpipe, and all kinds of music, the bagpipes in there for our Scottish friends, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. So for him, he regarded the refusal to worship the image as treason, not only as a religious offense. So he wasn't just going to take the fact that you don't do it as you just don't follow my religion. He saw it as treason. Verse 7. Therefore, at that time, when all the people heard the sound of these instruments, all the people's nations and men of every language fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. For this reason, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and brought charges against the Jews They responded and said to Nebuchadnezzar the king, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the instruments is to fall down and worship the golden image. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have disregarded you They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you've set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and anger, gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now if you're ready, at the moment you hear the sound of the instruments, And all the music, fall down and worship the image that I've made. Let it be very well. But if you do not worship, you will immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? 
We're just going to pause for a moment. This is even beyond the other scope. This is just everyone. The music's going to start and everyone's to bow down. And now he calls them out and brings them forward. Now all eyes are on them. Imagine the pressure that they would be facing at that moment as the king and everyone's like, is this true? Which is credit to Nebuchadnezzar that he doesn't just take these people's word for it. He asks them personally, is it true that you don't do this? Here's your chance. We're going to strike up the band again and you're going to fall down. Is it true? And then he even goes so far, talk about full of himself. He says, what God is there that can save you out of my hand? Meaning that I'm, I hold the final say. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God who we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. And here's the, the point of it. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with wrath, and his facial expression was altered towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he answered by giving orders to heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain valiant warriors who were in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in order to cast them into the furnace of blazing fire. So he doesn't just tie them up. That would be enough. He gets the Schwarzeneggers of the group to tie them up. And I'm sure they were tied really tight. He probably gave him a knee in the back and pulled those ropes really tight. These men were tied up in their trousers, their coats, their caps, and their other clothes and were cast into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. For this reason, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace had been made extremely hot, the flame of fire slew those men who carried up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But these three men fell into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire still tied up. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astounded and stood up in haste. And he said to his high officials, was it not three men that we cast bound into the midst of the fire? And they replied to the king, certainly, O king. He said, look, I see four men loosed and walking about in the midst of the fire without harm. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the furnace a blazing fire, and he responded and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out, you servants of the Most High God, and come here. And then they came out of the midst of the fire, and everyone gathered around and saw in regard to these men that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men, nor was the hair of their head singed, nor were their trousers damaged, nor had the smell of fire even come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who put their trust in him, violating the king's command, and yielded up their bodies so as not to serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that any people, nation, or tongue that speaks anything offensive against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their house is reduced to a rubbish heap, inasmuch as there is no other God who is able to deliver in this way. Then the king caused Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to prosper in the province of Babylon. Absolutely just amazing. And so some of the things we need to wonder and consider is like, why is this here? Why is this important that God has this story in there? 
So I just want to point out a few things. There's so much. I could probably preach for, for a year on just this passage of Scripture. But a few things to note. The miraculous was at work as God proved himself over the natural world. Who would have thought that that would have been the, the thing if you were on a game show? Who would have thought that would have been the answer? Possible outcomes. Uh, I'm going to be a, a pile of ashes. I'm going to get barbecued. Like, who would have thought that that would have been the outcome? There was no one that would have thought that that would have been the answer. The miraculous was at work. Another thing to note is the faith of these three in the face of immediate death should be an encouragement to us all. I had this thought the other day. I was driving, but I, I had this thought. I was, there was a video or something that was on, and it was celebrities. It was like a, um, a collection of videos, but celebrities were all talking about how afraid they are to die. They were like, you know, our money can't save us. We live in a mansion. And, but they were all talking, a variety of celebrities were all talking that the main thing that they fear is death. And I think for many people, that's one of their greatest fears. But as I was driving, it was like it occurred to me, Jesus has conquered death. Like we absolutely don't need to be afraid of dying. He even went that far and even finished and conquered death. And it was like, just as I was driving and I thought, like, we don't have any reason to be afraid. David said, what can man do to me? He had his, his her perspective correct in following his God. What can anyone do to him? God would save him. Their faith should encourage us all. Just because the crowd's doing it, just because it's what the majority are doing, is no indication for us how we conduct ourselves or how we live. Just because everyone's doing it doesn't make it right. For, for them, they're there standing before the king. He's called them out publicly. They're there. They couldn't do like us, those of you with the actual Bible. They couldn't just turn the page and see what happens. For us, we can just turn the page. Oh, my goodness, what's going to happen? Oh, okay. They had no idea. They didn't have that privilege to know what the outcome was going to be. As far as they were concerned, they would either die in this furnace or God would intervene and rescue them. That's as far as they knew. That was all the information they had before them. But what they did know was this, that no matter what, the furnace, the king, the big guards, no matter what, they were not going to bow down to that image. They were not going to bow down to the king or to any other false god. They knew the true and living God. And even a 90-foot-tall god of gold was fake compared to the brilliance of the Almighty. We need to know how to differentiate the real so that we're not fooled, intimidated, or enticed by the fake. See, some stuff can appear sparkly, and it can look like it shimmers, and it, that it's gold compared to eternity, compared to God. It is just absolute rubbish. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Our knees should only bow to him and to no other. Friends, we need to know that. Where our knee is going to bow. Where are we going to give our allegiance? We pledge allegiance to one, one name, one God. Note also, there were several things that were affected by the fire. So he heats it seven times hotter than usual. I don't even know how that's possible. Do you just add more wood? I mean, I don't know. I'm not a fire guy, but I don't know how you heat something seven times. I mean, to me, it's fire's fire. Adding more fire, I don't know. It'd be a bigger fire, but he heats it even hotter. So the fire affects just a few things in this. And it wasn't the three Jewish men. The soldiers were burned up and killed, even approaching it. They were burned up. And the other thing that it mentions is the ropes that had them bound. Because when he sees them, it says, I saw four loosed and walking around. 
Friends, those of you that feel bound today, I want to encourage you. He can even loose those chains, those ropes, those whatever it is, no matter how bound you think you are. He saw them loosed and walking around without harm. Friends, even goes so far to say the smoke didn't even overtake them. Now, I like barbecuing. I don't get to do it as often as I'd like. But one of the things that's on the downside, if you get to get your barbecue out and you get your charcoal, you smell like smoke. There's no hiding it. They didn't even have the scent of smoke. It didn't even permeate their clothes, their hair. Nothing was singed. It says loosed and walking around in the fire of the furnace. This is an absolute supernatural event that happened. I think this is about as impossible as anything. You might say, well, God caused uh, a water to come down and it put out the fire and then they lived. No, God's like, you're going in the fire, in the flames. I'm going to burn up those ropes that have you bound. And you're going to walk around. Oh, yeah, and by the way, I'm going to have someone come in there with you. Note, too, that these three would not bow down, not even once, to the false gods, the image, or the idols. If they did, they knew that they would serve those false gods for the rest of their lives. See, sometimes it's always just once. Sometimes maybe in peer pressure with your friends in school. They always do that. You see those drug pushers. Try it just once. Because they know if they can get you hooked, you'll be on that the rest of your life. They knew that they would not bow, not even once. It also would have permanently destroyed their witness as followers of the one true God. Again, just once. And it wasn't just a matter of posture. It wasn't just a matter of just bowing the knee. I'll just do a quick little tip, uh, a curtsy. It was, it said that not only to bow down, it said to, they had to worship this idol They had to worship the image. So it wasn't a matter of posture. It was a matter of the heart. But as Jews, they knew the scriptures. And this is what it says in Exodus. In verse 3, it says, You shall have no other gods before me or besides me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Friends, some say that these three men were possibly even just teenagers. They might not have been that old. And here they are, possibly teenagers, standing up because they knew what the Scripture said and they knew they had to obey God. This is what it said. You will not bow down. You won't worship anyone else. No other image, no other anything, nothing that's created. You will not bow down. They knew to obey the scriptures. And here's a couple things that we might not consider. They were far from home. Maybe their parents were all killed. Who who would know? They were far from home. Nobody was looking after them. They were appointed in, in the government. They saw their land destroyed. They saw their temple burned. Why bother might have even been some of the others. Because there was more than three Jews that were taken to Babylon. So they might have said, why bother? What good is it serving God? He's not rescued us. He didn't save the temple. He didn't save our land from getting invaded. Why bother? I'll tell you, it was far easier to kneel than to stand for their God. When the pressure is on, Do we just choose the easy, the quick, the easy way out? They had resolved in their hearts that they were not going to bow. 
And they weren't disrespectful. They didn't say any expletives to the king. They were respectful, but they just said, look, thanks, but no, we're not going to bow down. Even the disciples, when faced with immediate death, said that it was better to obey God rather than men. Friends, we need to obey God rather than men. We need to obey God. When Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, he wanted Jesus to bow to him but once. He said, if you would just bow down to me but once, I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. I'll give you all the authority just once. Friends, our enemy wants us to compromise our faith. He wants us to bow our knees to anything and everything but Christ. He wants our allegiance to be elsewhere. He wants our, our, even our focus to be elsewhere. And then he puts the pressure on to see if we'll crack, if we'll fold, if we'll succumb to the unrelenting force to give in and give up. See, he wants us to give up. And so it just keeps coming. Wave after wave, it just keeps coming. Because he wants us to give up. A few other things to note. note. They were not spared from the furnace. Sometimes we can think, well, our God will save us out of all, all the things. They weren't spared from the furnace. God sometimes allows us to go through the fire. He says, when you go through the waters, when you go through the flood, when you go through the fire, I'll be with you. He doesn't say you won't have to deal with that. He just says, when you're going through it, I'll be with you. And although God would come through for them big time, he permitted them to go into the furnace. Again, with, they didn't know. That guy's tying him up, however his arms were and his legs and everything, they didn't know what was going to happen. They were not saved from being challenged by the Chaldeans, bringing them before the king. They were not spared from being tied up, pressured, or arrested. All this happened. They had no one else to stand with them. When the music started, three guys are standing there. They would have probably been easy to pick out if everyone's down on the ground on their knees and there's three guys standing there. No one stood with them, but one was with them in the fire. Friends, in this world, we're going to have trouble. We will have difficulties and hardships and times that we just don't understand. It's a given. We're going to have times that we don't understand. We're going to have difficulties. When the time of testing comes, and when you're bound and thrown into the furnace of affliction, friends, be confident in the one who is with you. There's one that is with us through it all. The one who's overcome. And here's what else I realized as I was reading this passage. Friends, we really believe that time is wrapping up. We could see how things are speeding along and prophecy is being fulfilled. Friends, I want to say that we may face the same situation as these three young men. It says that one day there is going to be an image set up. It says it will even speak we will be ordered to bow down to it. We will be forced to take a mark on our hand or our forehead or die. Oh, you don't want to do that? Okay, then. The persecution will be severe. We're going to be like three men standing there in a vast tens of thousands. The persecution will be severe. We already see it 
getting hotter and hotter. We must know, as did these three Jewish guys, we must know now that we're not going to bow. See, I don't want to wait till that day and then I'm trying to decide. We need to know now. We need to have a resolve within our heart now. We are not going to bow. We're not going to worship. We're not going to bow to any God, little g, no image or no ruler. When the time comes, know, and I talked about this last week, that we have an advocate, a savior that stands with us through it all. He's our high priest that is making prayers on our behalf. He who endures to the end, it says in the scriptures, will be saved. He who endures to the end. Jesus asked when the son of man returns, will he find faith on the earth? This life in following after Jesus is a marathon, not a sprint. That's where we need to have endurance and perseverance. In a sprint, you can give your all for a few seconds. You just, 40 yards, you're done. But a marathon, you better condition yourself. You better have put in some things in place to be able to go the distance. This is a marathon and not a sprint. You run completely different depending on the race. Endurance and perseverance have to be built over time. I know Sherry did a marathon. She didn't go from the couch to a marathon. You build up endurance. You build up your muscles, and it takes time. You have to train, and there's things that are involved. We need to have perseverance. This isn't a quick, we're in and we're out. We're following Christ. We accept him, and we're we need to have endurance. Friends, there will be difficult times ahead. I mean, we could just see it in the news. But here's the thing, we need not fear. We can't live our lives dictated by fear. As Sherry tells me all the time, fear doesn't get a seat at our table. When we're making decisions or we're planning things, fear doesn't get a a seat at the table. It doesn't get to give its input to cause us to be afraid. We believe in faith. We're people of faith. These three were willing to lose their lives for their faith in God. The pressure had to be great as they stood out like a sore thumb. It took real guts and courage to stand for what they believed in. And there's an old saying that says, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that before. Friends, sometimes we need to realize that we need to take a stand. When we stand for our Savior, will we stand and I'm going to leave you with this, these couple of verses out of Ephesians, and we'll just be closing in a moment. And it says three times in this passage about standing firm. Paul writes, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins and having put on the breastplate, and he goes through the list. Friends, There's things that help us to stand firm. And so in that day, will we stand? 
when everyone else is bowing and it seems the easy thing and the pressure's on, will we stand? Where will we be when the heat's turned up? This says it was heated seven times hotter than usual. If we already think that it's hard now, think about that when those one world currency is in place, one world government, one world religion. It says it's coming, friends. And it might be sooner than we think. And when the heat's turned up, will we be found standing? Friends, I would encourage you to stand firm in him. He will uphold you and sustain you. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. Please tune in next week for another inspirational message. If you're in the East Lothian area, visit us online at haddingtonelamchurch.com for information about how you can join us for our weekly Sunday services.